Welcome to Embedded Insiders. Thank you for being with us. I'm Laura Dolan, Technology Editor for Embedded Computing Design. I'm here with Rich Nass, Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media, and Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design, who recently attended the GTC up in San Jose, California. Brandon, you want to talk a little bit about your adventures up there? Yeah, sure. So, um... Hey, what's GTC? GTC, the GPU Technology Conference. What's GPU? <laughs> uh, actually, that's a good point. Um, I was just thinking uh, earlier before we got on that, you know, Rich is probably like, back in my day, we never used GPUs. We were coding in assembly, and it, it took us three months to get a DOS operating system running. What is DOS? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, in the embedded space, uh, graphics processing units have become um, a lot more applicable, especially as AI, neural networks, um, deep learning are coming more to the fore. Um, also, uh, as more high-resolution sensors uh, like uh, cameras, radars, lidars um, are being distributed around at the edge. Uh, you know, historically, GPUs have had the problem in embedded systems of requiring uh, a lot of memory, um, being pretty high power uh, consumption. And, and, you know, there's just not really a, a need for the cost and, and, you know, both in terms of dollars and those other metrics to, to put a GPU in, in most embedded systems. But um, the market's trending towards the point where, um, where, you know, it is actually sort of applicable in a lot of applications. And that was rampantly apparent at, uh, at GTC. Um, well, you also left out the part about they were really hard to work with. Yeah. They're hard to program, and they used a whole lot of power. Has that changed? Well, NVIDIA, um, who's you know been a leader in, in GPU technology for the last few decades, um, has done a really good job with their tool sets. So you know anybody who's heard of OpenVX, OpenCL, all of those uh, programming uh, languages or, or models, at least. Um, are really were driven by NVIDIA, um, and they're becoming more pervasive and, and easier and easier to use. Um, NVIDIA has some really nice frameworks um, that can sort of help uh, normal, well, you know, your, your traditional embedded developer get involved with uh, GPU programming. Um, so you, it, it is getting easier. Um, it's still obviously an adjustment. It's not, you know, your your typical um, embedded development, but if you're interested in learning about how to, to program with GPUs, uh, NVIDIA's website's a great place to start. They've got a lot of resources there. Um, that being said, it, it's also really surprising to see all of the different places now where GPUs um, and higher performance compute uh, are, are being applied. Obviously, in the data center, GPUs have been used a long time for acceleration to accelerate workloads there. Um, NVIDIA is making a push um, to probably um, at least sit next to a lot of the Intel-based Xeon-type platforms, if not um, remove or replace them at all, altogether um, in those settings. Um, and in, that, in those instances, you know, you're talking about your, what an embedded developer at least would typically think of as a GPU, you know, a few hundred watts, uh, massive amounts of uh, flops performance. Um, but they're also in the other direction trending down to capture some of the sockets at the edge and you know, places like autonomy or surveillance cameras. Um, they actually recently uh, at the show announced uh, their Jetson Nano platform, 
which is a uh, you know five to ten watt small developer kit uh, type module. It's available for ninety nine bucks. Um, so that's more of an entry point for your traditional embedded developer, and also hopefully uh, will help spread um, this more high power, uh, higher performance compute around the edge for some of these embedded type uh, vision and other sensor type applications. Interesting stuff. Um, are, you, are, are we looking at more applications that are not necessarily vision applications that will be taking advantage of, uh, I won't say vision, but what, what vision can bring? Um, you know, you know, and where I'm going with this, I think, is, is that a lot of these applications used to be what we call DSP applications, and I don't know if I'm dating myself with that, but, um, and vision is, is, is just a new form of, of DSP. So is it likely that we'll, we'll see these, what have been vision processors in what used to be DSP applications? What's DSP, Rick? <laughs> yeah, that one I'm, I'm not uh, even going to go there because if you don't know what DSP is, you shouldn't be listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, actually, you know, another outside of vision, and, and I think that's a really good point, um, is that to date, GPUs and actually a lot of machine learning in general, uh, well, let's say deep learning, let's rephrase. Deep learning and AI is super focused, at least in the media, on doing computer vision and video analytics and that type, um, that type of application. But GPUs and, and, and that type of technology can also be applied for things like uh, sensor fusion, um, for all sorts of different sensors, um, and a really, a really interesting area where that's being applied, um, at least in the automotive segment, is by taking LiDAR and radar and multiple inputs um, from automotive sensors and doing something with them. Um, so actually, we have uh, on, the, on the line uh, one of our good friends, uh, Stephen Crouch, who's the CTO of Blackmore LiDAR, um, and we're going to hop over and have a chat with him. Stephen, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, it's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Cool. So. Um, Stephen, back at uh, CES, I had an opportunity to meet you uh, for the first time and actually also get introduced to FM LiDAR. Um, just for the audience, for everybody who uh, isn't familiar, can you review the types of LiDAR that are common on the market or common on the market today, namely AM, um, and then how FM sort of differs from that? Yeah, certainly. There's a lot of discussion lately about you know LiDAR and, and potentially a LiDAR bubble. Um, a lot of that's driven by investment in uh, automotive LiDAR specifically, uh, and more specifically, most of the companies, there's about 60 or 70 companies in that space today, um, are very focused on AM LiDAR, uh, which is another way of saying pulse or time of flight LiDAR. Uh, so for these systems, they utilize a short laser pulse. Uh, and sensitive detectors to measure the time of flight distance to targets. Uh, and then by scanning those laser beams, they're able to build up a 3D image or point cloud of the scene very rapidly. Um, FM LiDAR is a little bit different in that we actually transmit continuous wave uh, lights, uh, so we're not modulating uh, the amplitude whatsoever. And a lot like an automotive radar system, we modulate the frequency of that light instead of the amplitude. Um, that actually allows us to measure both the range to the target 
and the relative or, or radial velocity uh, of that target uh, in real time on each data point. So um, really a, a, a very different uh, detection approach and, and detection physics uh, kind of underlying you know, FM LIDAR, and that's really the core of the difference. Would you comment on the accuracy of each of those two techniques? Um, the, the accuracy in both cases uh, really varies wildly uh, depending on uh, a fair number of parameters. Um, in general, FM LIDAR does have the capability to be higher resolution, uh, and there's, there's a lot of demonstrations of that, um, both in the literature and, and within some of our products. Um, and in terms of range performance, FM LIDAR uh, oftentimes can reach longer range performance with less optical power uh, because it is a very sensitive uh, detection approach, coherent detection. But I would well, expect varying wildly isn't something that the auto manufacturers are very comfortable with. Um, you know, it, it really just comes down to the specific technology implementation of, of any given vendor, uh, what their laser source is, um, how much optical power they're transmitting, um, you know, the, the duration of the laser pulse, uh, the detector technology that, that they are employing. Uh, so all these different factors kind of feed into the, the ultimate performance uh, of any given LiDAR system. So, Stephen, um, you mentioned a lot of advantages of FM LiDAR over uh, you know, current AM solutions. Is that, uh, are there any drawbacks? I mean, it can't be, can't be perfect. You've you got to be sacrificing something, right? I think the, the, main, the main sort of drawback or, or, or one challenge is a little bit more upfront processing. Uh, that processing looks a lot like radar signal processing. Uh, it's very FFT intensive. Um, at this point, we are running the systems in real time on FPGAs, and, and there's a really uh, good roadmap uh, in terms of reducing uh, the cost and, and complexity of that processing. Uh, so we're excited about that. Um, another potential roadblock is, is just the, the availability of hardware um, and our efforts to, to both miniaturize that hardware and, and lower costs do take time. Uh, so it's less of a road, roadblock and more of a, I guess I would say, just kind of sort of step along the way. You know, I think we're a little bit earlier in that, that integration process. Uh, you know, AM LiDAR has been around for, uh, for, for at least a decade, uh, actually a lot longer. Uh, for other applications, and so they've had more opportunities to uh, to reduce that cost. Stephen, do you see a need or desire for any compute processing to be integrated with or near your sensors for neural networks? Uh, that's an interesting question, and, and certainly different people, whether it be OEMs, um, autonomous vehicle startups, uh, tier ones, I, I think would certainly all answer that question a little differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you do, you do the uh, the perception at the sensor, uh, or do you centralize that on the vehicle for for an autonomous driving application? Um, you know, there's 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 advantages and, and drawbacks to where you put that. Um, if you have it at the sensor, uh, certainly that helps retain some value for the sensor manufacturer. Um, if you do that perception processing more centrally. Um, you know, maybe that's more efficient, um, kind of from an overall system architecture uh, perspective. Um, you know, in general, uh, the availability of velocity data uh, on each point 
for FM LiDAR um, does make some of that processing look uh, more like what you would do with radar data in terms of recognizing objects and, and tracking objects. In a lot of cases, um, you know, that, that processing is happening on the sensor for radars today. Um, so I think there's an opportunity for, for that to happen uh, for FM LiDAR um, as well. So to put this into perspective for people, what sort of timeline are we talking about? Is this something that is here today? We'll we'll see it. I mean, I I know the automakers tend to work on, on models that are at least three or four years out. When are we going to see this technology? Yeah, that's a good question. Blackmore is shipping products today. Uh, we have customers on on four separate continents actually, uh, and we've we've shipped you know products around the world at this point. Um, I think in terms of kind of mass adoption uh, at, at automotive scale, that's that's definitely more on the three to five year uh, timeline. Um, but that doesn't mean that the technology isn't going to be very useful for some of the autonomous um, vehicle developers, you know, already this year. That sounds awesome. If you'd like to learn more about Blackmore LiDAR, you can visit their website at blackmoreinc.com. Thank you for your time, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, thanks. Great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks to all of you. Brandon, I want to circle back to the uh, Jetson Nano that you were talking about at GTC. Um, there's a, a trend towards um, use in the broader developer community where makers need infrastructure, and you talk about making. Can you elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, um, I don't mean this as like a shot uh, at anybody, but one of the things that has happened previously with some of the development kits that uh, NVIDIA has put out is that they've been massively high power um, and they've also been expensive and they've really been more targeted to uh, like R&D probably and you know, that's, that's sort of an obvious place to go given that a lot of the machine learning type um, applications that NVIDIA started with were based in the data center. But now when you're trying to get out onto those edge sockets, you really need to deliver something that is uh, lower cost and sort of available to the maker community. Um, and they've done that with Jetson Nano by not only reducing the cost of 99 bucks, like I mentioned before, reducing the power to you know, 5 to 10 watts versus uh, some of the 15, uh, 30 watt offerings that they had in like AGX Xavier. Um, but they've also used some pretty standard embedded I.O. and interfaces. Um, you know, it's got a SOTEM connector on it, um, which most embedded developers should be familiar with. Um, you know, your typical serial interfaces, Ethernet, et cetera. Um, but more importantly, probably a nice way to segue uh, the Jetson into this community was by supporting a lot of uh, peripherals that are already available through you know, Raspberry Pi, ecosystem, Adafruit, et cetera. Um, so that's a good way to sort of get your feet wet. Um, they also have some stuff up on GitHub, uh, like the Jetson or Jetbot, sorry, um, which is a little autonomous intelligent robot that you can uh, build to play around with. Nice. Gotta love robotics. Another thing to come out of GTC, uh, Cognata is going to display a large-scale hardware-in-the-loop autonomous vehicle simulation. Um, did you happen to catch that while you were there? Yeah, actually I did. Um, you know, one really hot area in the world of autonomous driving is uh, just simulation, and it's not simulation to the point yet of being able to test, um, you know, and, and certify it as a test tool. 
Um, that's probably a little further out. But people are using artificial intelligence to sort of create these virtual worlds where, um, you know, an automotive or an autonomous drive system um, is moving through an environment with other vehicles and actual, you know, buildings, pedestrians, all that stuff. Um, Cognata is a leader in that, um, and I was able to stop by their booth and, and check out one of the simulations that they had running. It's easy for them to spin up uh, simulations in different, like, you know, say San Francisco or Shanghai or, or wherever, um, and actually run the simulation on hardware like, let's say, an NVIDIA GPU that would be in an actual vehicle, of course, isn't in the sense of the simulation, um, but making that hardware think that it's actually driving around these environments. So Cognata is a, a really interesting company and one to watch. Wow, that is really something else. It's amazing where that industry, industry is going. Um, Tyann also appeared at GTC. Um, they exhibited a new AI in interference optimized GPU platform with NVIDIA and their T4 accelerators. Did you happen to catch that as well? You know, actually, um, I wasn't able to stop by uh, Tyann's booth, but I did see their PR come across uh, the wire, and it's not too dissimilar from what we saw from them back at Embedded World way back when. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, this is more along the, the continued trend of edge compute, um, you know, moving some of these uh, GPU-based systems closer to the edge for inferencing um, is something that we're probably going to see more of, especially if you're trying to do something like surveillance or any um, application where there are multiple sensor nodes feeding data back into like a, you know, an on-prem uh, type of platform. Um, you know, this, these tie-in GPU-accelerated systems are Excellent. Thank you, Brandon, and thank you for taking the time to go up there and gather all that great information for us. If you'd like to find uh, more news about GTC or any of the other shows we have coming up, you can go to our website at embedded-computing.com. We're also on Facebook under Embedded Computing Design, LinkedIn under Embedded Computing, Twitter, embedded underscore comp, that's C-O-M-P, and Instagram, and embedded underscore computing. Thank you all so much for listening. Yep. Thanks a lot. See you next time.